Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Wednesday, July 7th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Kansas basketball got better this week, and the Jayhawks didn't add a player. So what happened? Well, earlier this week, KU learned that Ochai Abaji and Arizona State transfer point guard Remy Martin had withdrawn their names from NBA and G League draft consideration. Late last week, Jalen Wilson did the same thing. So a pair of starters in Abaji and Wilson are returning, and joining the team is a two-time All-Pac-12 performer and the league's leading scorer last year in Martin. So the rich got richer. Beat writers Jesse Newell and Gary Bedour are here to talk about the latest developments and what may be in store for KU Hoops on and off the court this season. Let's get started. Gary and Jesse are here. Jesse, am, am I right in suggesting that Kansas basketball got better in the last few days and didn't add a player to the roster? <laughs> yeah, um, I guess so. You know, the guys that were already on the roster but decided to not go pro and stay with the Jayhawks, whether that's Jalen Wilson, Ochai Abaji, Remy Martin, uh, Bill Self sort of has a habit for this now or, or kind of a pattern. This happened a couple of years ago when KU brought back Yudoka Azubuki and Devon Dotson late in the process. And that led them to pretty good things that next year, even though the tournament was canceled by COVID. But yeah, it's been a fascinating offseason. You know, went from Bill Self sort of proclaiming after the USC game that his he needed to go recruit to bringing in nine newcomers. Uh, and that includes at the beginning of this recruiting session and the transfer season, KU was missing out on a bunch of them. So it, it seemed for a while that KU was sort of striking out. And then they bring in Remy Martin from Arizona State, one of the top transfers out there. You know, you get Joseph Yesifu from Drake. Now you bring back four returning starters and you have 14 scholarship players who can play. And I just don't see this team showing up anywhere outside of a top five preseason poll coming into next season just based off of what they blowed this roster with. Now we can get into further discussion about how it helps you or doesn't help you if you have really good players at your 11, 12, and 13 spots. Uh, maybe so, maybe not. But uh, even looking at the top-end talent of this roster, if you're just looking at Rami Martin, Christian Brown, Jalen Wilson, Ochai Abaji, David McCormick, and Joseph Yesifu, uh, that's a pretty good six to start with. And uh, I think that's something that Bill Self will obviously have to look forward to this next season. I tried to put together a depth chart earlier today. I'll go over some of the ideas with you guys here in a moment. But first, I wanted to ask Gary about uh, about Remy Martin. Gary, you talked to his dad. His dad didn't sound terribly happy with the way the events unfolded over the last couple of days, which led to Remy transferring to completing the transfer, basically. He, he had announced he was coming to Kansas, had done all the paperwork. Uh, but that was not the hope for for Remy Martin, was it? No, he went to uh, Las Vegas, like a lot of the prospects do for the last couple of months, to work out an impact with other top players. And the NBA did not invite Remy, a two-time first-team All-Pac-12 player, 19 points a game, a guy that I rely on in the NBA to tell me stuff, likes Remy. He said he's very fast, but he wasn't invited to the Combine or the G League Elite Camp. Marcus Garrett got an invite to the G League Elite Camp. Marcus, great defensive player, but not the offensive player Remy is. So the dad, uh, Sam Martin, former police officer, great guy, was saying that he wasn't bitter, but 
they were baffled by why he didn't get an invitation to any of the camps. And Remy was all in on the NBA, like most of the guys want to be, you know, when they declare they want to go, but they have to get the word that, that they've got a chance. And Remy didn't have a chance to get drafted since he wasn't even invited to this, their premier events. The dad said he could have went to the Philippines where he has dual citizenship, made about 40,000. But uh, instead, he'll come to Kansas, and uh, they're really excited about that. It's not like it's a total consolation prize, but he thinks uh, after a great year here, he said he's got to win more than anything. They judge point guards on winning, and maybe that's why the NBA doesn't like him because Arizona State had a losing record. He thinks that it could be win-win for Remy and obviously the team, the dad, Sam called it a all-star team that KU's thrown out there. But in answer to your question, they were disappointed and surprised and baffled. He said that they didn't get an invite. And I was thinking about it. Who knows? Did the NBA just screw up and forget about him? I mean, why not at least take a look at the Pac-12's best scorer? You know, one thing that you had in your story, Gary, that I found interesting was maybe something of a mischaracterization of Remy. At least that's what his dad may think, that he was a like a scoring first guard and not a playmaking point guard. But his dad said that's not the case. He's just a point guard that can score. And of course he did, averaging 19.1 points last year to lead, lead the Pac-12. His assist numbers weren't great, though, were they? No, I think it was like four a game, still had about 30 more assists than turnovers. His dad was saying his best year assist-wise was his sophomore year. I'm not sure what the totals were, but I haven't heard any specific, you know, criticism of what's wrong with Remy. I haven't studied a lot of tape or anything and not watched a lot of Pac-12, but maybe Jesse knows there's got to be some kind of weakness that's obvious, you know, in his game to not even get an invitation to the G League elite camp when the guy probably would have gone to the G League, even if he got that kind of a guarantee and he didn't get anything. So uh, maybe it's his height. He's listed 6-0. Sometimes that means you're a little shorter than that. Well, he, he played in a Pac-12 this year that proved in the NCAA tournament that it was a really strong league, right, with a team that got to the Final Four, a team that beat Kansas, you know, like a drum to eliminate the Jayhawks in the NCAA yeah. tournament. And the guy was the point guard in a couple of Arizona State teams earlier in his career that beat the Jayhawks. So uh, swept the home and home series, Arizona State did. So, so don't, do, do we pencil him in as the starting point guard this year, Jesse? <laughs> I think you might pencil him in as the preseason Big 12 player of the year. Um, the guy's two-time all-Pac-12 first team. Uh, you look around the, the landscape of the Big 12, obviously so much has changed with the transfer portal and so many of the guys coming in are ones that, you know, the ones you would expect to do the best are ones you are a little bit of question mark because you don't know exactly how they're going to perform at their new schools while up transferring. But Remy seems like one of the safest bets, I think. Um, for one, he's a point guard. Bill Self has had point guards in the past like him, uh, you know, Frank Mason types that if the ball's in his hands, he'll, he'll allow him to make plays and take shots and have assists, all those sorts of things. Um, you know, he's good enough shooting the three. He can get to the free throw line. Uh, I think probably what his dad is referring to as well is I think something that could help a lot of these Jayhawks this year. If, if you remember last year, like Ochai Abaji and Christian Brown um, in particular, it seemed like they were trying to do a little bit too much 
offensively, but that was because that was required of them. You know, they didn't have, it seemed like they were missing one player. You know, it seemed like they were missing a playmaking point guard who could go make things easier for teammates and go get his own shot. And so for Remy, that's the guy, you know, he can go off the bounce. He has some wiggle. He can go create his own shot. He can open up teammates. And for him, he's going to have better teammates around him. When he passes the ball to Ochai Abaji on the perimeter, that shot's much more likely to go in than whatever guy he was passing to on Arizona state and kind of vice versa works as well for Ochai Abaji last year. Maybe he was trying to create for himself where we know he doesn't have great penetrating skills or an ability to score uh, on his own, but now if you have Remy Martin in there, you kind of camp at the three-point line. You you hold your hands up at your chest and you wait for Remy to pass it to you. All of a sudden, he draws two defenders and he passes it to you for wide open three. That could help Ochai Abaji's numbers. So um, this is kind of one of those situations where a rising tide might be able to lift all boats here for Kansas and potentially make them pretty optimistic about what they have offensively. Obviously, this is coming off of a season where Bill Self had his worst offense statistically in his 18 seasons at Kansas, but. Um, yeah, this should make everything go a little bit smoother when you have a guy who you just can't account for in, in the game plan and say, hey, uh, make Kansas beat you off the dribble. That had to be the game plan last year for teams. Make Kansas beat you off the dribble because not often enough do they have players who could do that. Now with Remy Martin and then to an extent Joseph Yesifu, Bobby Pettiford, KUS guys who can beat you off the dribble, there's a little bit more to prepare for, a little bit more wiggle in their game that is going to make other players better. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Again, I don't know how everybody else will feel about it, but I, I would think that Remy Martin would be among the favorites to be the preseason player of the year in the Big 12, and that's based off what he's done in the past and obviously the success that point guards have had under Bill Self over time when they are talented and can get themselves to the lane and gives Kansas the potential to play small and athletic, right? With Martin, Yosefu, Abaji, they could, they could start two point guards, you know, with the two transfers, right? Yosefu, I'm, I'm going to figure out how to pronounce his name uh, at some point here, uh, the Drake transfer. But you mentioned Abaji a couple of times. You're right. The guy did not have the, the Devon Dotson-like playmaking point guard. And still, he, he averaged uh, 2.6 threes per game, which led the Big 12 shot 38.3%, which I think was fourth in the Big 12. He's, he has started 77 straight games. My choice of, of him or Jalen Wilson would be for the team's leading scorer this year, and yet they're bringing in Remy Martin also, who led the Pac-12 in scoring. They have some scoring options on, on this team. Hey, hey, Gary, so are we surprised about Abaji? He was the guy who we saw – show up a lot on mock drafts earlier in the year, you know, and, and I think he crawled into a couple of first round mock drafts at, at some point, but he's back. Uh, what was the reaction to that? It's interesting about him because this guy that front office guy I know in the NBA likes him too. He said he's athletic, thought he would be drafted, but I was told yesterday that his performance at the combine was terrible it dropped him off a lot of lists I don't know if it was terrible or not I mean he didn't average a lot of points at the combine he didn't I don't really know what he was doing in the games he wasn't scoring or or looking to score uh, but I think again he would have liked to stay in but if you're going to be ejected middle to late second round you could not be drafted like Devon Dotson who had a pretty good sophomore year my NBA guy said that this immediately makes him a, a likely first round pick. I don't know how that works, but now suddenly, I guess with a great senior year, he should be assured of being drafted. You know, that makes you 
gives you a lot better chance to stick in that league if you've been drafted rather than be a two-way player. So Hurdy didn't do well at the combine, but very athletic and uh, they like his ability maybe to play defense in the future. I don't know about now. I'm sure like Remy, he wanted to go, but smart decision for everybody. And, you know, Ochai's a local guy. For him, you have to hope he makes some money with the new NIL rules. Great guy. Kids love him. Infectious smile. If anybody can get good endorsements, it'll be Ochai, I bet you. I want to talk about that after a break. But before we do, let's let's talk about Jalen Wilson quickly. There were times last year when no player for Kansas took over a game the way Jalen Wilson did. I think back to the Kentucky game. I think about his big shot against Creighton in the, you know, in the non-con. 6'8", 220. He's going to be a redshirt sophomore. We knew last week that he was coming back. 11.8 points, 7.9 rebounds, led the team, averaged more than 28 minutes per game. I think this is a big return for KU. And it was, it was kind of always going to be this way, wasn't it, Jesse? Yeah, he's a fascinating player because uh, he doesn't really fit the typical mold of, hey, you put him into this box because he does some things well that you wouldn't expect. And then he doesn't do as well in other things that, that you might think of a, of a guy his size. But he's a great defensive rebounder. You start with that. Um, he also, when they play their super small lineups, he's great at driving, getting to the lane, getting fouled, making free throws, and re- really thrived in five guard lineups early in the season when KU sort of out of desperation went to that. His season was sort of a roller coaster, though. You know, he started off so well, and then it was almost like him and David McCormick just kind of kept trading spots. Like when David was playing well, Jalen wasn't. Then you got to February, where both of them started to kind of coexist together, and Jalen really took to a new defensive style that Bill Self was playing on the back end with their ball screen coverage. He really bought in, started to get some steals, things like that. I think the buy-in level uh, really rose at that point, and then. Obviously, the end of the season <laughs> didn't end how he wanted with all the uh, the COVID stuff and and you know him not being able to really be at full strength for the NCAA Blade tournament. But you know it's 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 fascinating. But we can talk about depth charts. I, I could make a case, and this is not talking about who's going to be drafted better or who is um, the level of player or whatever. But I can make a case that Jalen Wilson's a bigger bring back for Kansas than Ochai Abaji is, just because if you look at KU's roster, they got lots of guys like Ochai Abaji. I mean, they do, and they, they have. Other guys who can shoot, they have other guys who can guard, they have other guys on, you know, at the perimeter position, but they don't really have that solidified number four spot. If Jalen Wilson left, you probably were going to be forced to go to a four guard lineup, like a real four guard lineup, like they did in 2018 with four smaller guys. And you kind of have a little bit of a missing piece there. So it's a good pickup for Kansas, obviously, to get him back. Um, like I said, I think some things clicked for him late in the season when it came to buy-in and, and Bill Self's defensive scheme. So that should help him moving out to next year. But yeah, his offensive role is going to be, I think, a TBD. You know, I mean, they have so many other guys on the roster. David McCormick shoots a lot. Uh, Remy Martin is going to shoot a lot. Ochai Abaji is going to shoot a lot, open threes. Um, we'll see whether... Uh, it's Christian Brown or Joseph Yesifu in that other starting spot. But, you know, what he does offensively, I think, is still to be determined based off what other guys do. But a good pickup for Kansas and obviously sort of balances out their lineup a little bit better compared if he didn't come back. Yeah, we haven't. I think we've only just glanced over the freshman <laughs> class coming in. Oh, by the way, the uh, top freshman class in the Big 12, according to 24-7 Sports Composite. Right. So, yeah. So there's some talent there as well. And, and, Folks that you think are going to factor into a playing rotation, probably not starting because of all the experienced players back, but at least 
into the into the rotation, and who knows how deep that rotation is going to go. And you know, Bill Self has been an eight or nine guy rotation coach, right? I mean, he's that's about as deep as it gets for for Kansas. Let's take a break here. We'll come back and maybe project a starting lineup. And I also want to hit on what Gary said a moment ago about taking advantage of name, image, and likeness. I think there are a lot of Kansas players in a position to do that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Okay, we're back with Gary Bedore and Jesse Newell. They cover the Jayhawks for McClatchy, and that includes the Kansas City Star and the Wichita Eagle. And Kansas has been in the news big time here in the last week because of the, the announcements of Jalen Wilson, Remy Martin, Ochai Abaji, Abaji and Wilson back with the Jayhawks, and Remy Martin not going to the NBA or to the G League. So KU's loaded. I haven't seen any of the preseason top 25s, those, uh, the, the ones that get updated <laughs> weekly, but I suspect we're going to see Kansas one or two, right? I mean, that's this was somewhat unexpected to get all of these guys back in. So Let's take a stab at a, at a starting lineup with some either-ors. Let's, let's start with you, Gary. How about um, the early July projection for a KU hoop starting lineup? In the era of the small guards, I'll go with the tall guys. Remy Martin, Ochai, Jalen Wilson, Christian Brown, and David McCormack. On first glance, you might think, wow, is Christian Brown going to be the guy to take a hit on minutes? and throw in Yesifu or uh, Pettiford. I mean, I don't see any reason why Bill would, uh, not the word penalize, but demote Christian Brown, Jalen Wilson, Ochai, David McCormack to go with Remy Martin. I could see that one happening. Yeah, so a thought exercise. I was trying to go back and think about a player who has started for Bill Self and then the next year not started for him after previously being a starter. And the best I could come up with was back in 2010, which again, now it's 11 years ago, seems like not that long ago, but when Brady Morningstar was a starter for KU in 09, and then KU brought in Xavier Henry, which was obviously a one and done talent, took over his starting role. And then Brady went back into the starting lineup the next year. But I think it speaks to Bill Self's trust level and loyalty towards guys that this doesn't happen very often. And Sort of the same, same thing I spoke to about Ochai Abaji being better with a team that has 
more wiggle around him. I, I can see the same for Christian Brown. I feel like social media is not a great place to gauge everything, I guess, but I, I do sense a lot of people being very down on Christian Brown. And I don't see that. Maybe I have to start the Christian Brown fan club because again, he has a unique skill set. He's a very good defensive rebounder. He's a hustle guy. Uh, he's also a guy that I think will shoot threes better than he did this past season, sort of like could have the Ochai uh, jump from sophomore to junior season, seem to battle some struggles with confidence, but I, I like his overall game. And like I said, you need some sort of role player in there. You can't have five guys who all can score. You can't have five guys who all just want to be the, the glamorous people out there and, and make all the shots and be on sports. I mean, you need some gritty players too, and, and guys that accept roles. And Christian Brown seems like a perfect guy for that. He'll hit an open three for you. He'll dive on the floor for loose ball. He'll get do the dirty work and get defensive rebounds. So I just really don't see a reason to knock him out of that starting lineup. And from sophomore to junior year, you're going to expect players to be better than they were the season before. That's really how college basketball works. So expect Christian Brown to be a little bit better from his sophomore to his junior season. I don't see any reason to not have him in the starting lineup. So I'm with Gary. Uh, I will give a little preview, though. I'm, I'm writing a story right now. And if this were a drinking game, everybody could drink right now. But I was chatting a little bit with Ken Pomeroy about he's done some <laughs> consulting for coaches. And I've asked him, you know, hey, what do you tell coaches that have a bunch of depth? What do you tell them to do? And so it's kind of a fascinating thing. He suggested something to coaches for them to do, and they all thought he was crazy. But it sort of lines up with the starting lineup, and it's kind of fascinating to me. It'll be out here soon, but in baseball, there's the opener where you have a guy that comes in, and he pitches for an inning or two, and then you bring in your, your stud after that. His thought has been to have two or three guys in the starting lineup be quote-unquote openers. The more I think about it, the more fascinating it really would be is that usually games get started pretty slow and there's not many fouls and kind of people ease into the game. They don't want to foul anybody. What if Bill Self took two or three of these players that aren't going to play much and just said, hey, you get the first three minutes before the media timeout and then brought in his starters who were then fresh and had been able to watch the game and wouldn't have to be worried as much about foul trouble. It's a, it's sort of a fascinating concept. So I don't know if Bill Self would be that innovative with his stuff, but I think we have seen some coaches. I saw Alabama's Nate Oates has talked pretty openly about his best guys don't always start because that's the way they play basketball and, and they do things strategically in a certain way. It's just fascinating. If you have 13 or 14 guys on your roster that can play and you keep three of them engaged because you say, hey, you're going to start and play the first four minutes. Maybe you'll get back in. Maybe you won't. You sort of maybe could keep those guys, keep them engaged and have them go completely all out in that first four minutes when things are usually pretty slow. I could see an argument for doing something like that. Energy guys to start the game. I like that concept, or at least I'm intrigued by it. And you're right about Alabama. Nate Oates has brought starters off the bench, basically guys mm -hmm. that'll you know end up playing you know 28 to 30 minutes a game that didn't start the game. And Baylor has done that historically. They Scott Drew will, will have a guy come off the bench that'll end up playing that many minutes. Gosh, I, I think about Baylor last year, you know, as good as Mitchell and Butler were, that bench was fantastic. And uh, he, he just brought so much talent off the bench. And it looks like Kansas is in a position to do just that. Gary, you had a great thought about the, the name, image, and likeness. Of course, that's with us now, and it's with college sports. And I agree with you that Ochai Abaji, being an Oak Park High grad, so he's a Kansas City guy, handsome guy, radiant smile, just projects uh, kind of everything you want, I would think, in a spokesman for a company. You said you saw him being able to take advantage you know, of name, image, and likeness. I think Kansas players in general, just because of the high-profile nature of the Kansas program, are going to be able to cash in on name, image, and likeness. I know you guys have worked on some stories about this. It's already happening, isn't it? Yeah, uh, 
I guess Mitch Lightfoot has dabbled already, and Cam Martin got some sort of clothing line, I think, with his own logo, I think it is. Bobby Pettiford got a uh, underwear thing. Uh, maybe it was an athletic underwear thing or something. A lot of people are starting to look into it, you know, what they can and can't do. Remy's dad uh, was saying that they haven't even thought about that, but they will start to since it's now allowed by the NCAA. But I would think everybody, if they can get endorsements, will uh, try to get them. Whether that's autograph signings, I think you can do that. Cam Martin was saying he might hold his own camp in August because Bill Self gives them a couple weeks off before they come to town. So I think everybody's going to look into it. I would think uh, the guys will have their parents doing a lot of the work. Should be interesting. You know, will uh, Will Mitch Lightfoot have his own radio spot at Johnny's this year like Bill Self does? You know, it could be anything. It's a new world, but I know KU is interested in the long term. The NCAA is either going to pass a rule or Congress or somebody. Uh, right now, it's all interim. The NCAA has basically said, do whatever uh, the states that have passed this law are letting you do. Gary, you and I can remember, I guess this hasn't been so long ago, that after seasons, the guys whose eligibility expired would go on a barnstorming tour, right? Kansas basketball players, and they'd show up at high school gyms around the state, and that would be their first opportunity to make money off of their Kansas basketball history. I wonder if now you can do that before your eligibility expires, barnstorm after your freshman season or, or sophomore season. So I just thought about that while you were talking. We'll see if that's, yeah. that's a possibility. That would be huge because – you can make a lot of money on a one night thing. So uh, if that's allowed, that would be huge to get those guys on the road in the, once the season ends to Leavenworth High, to Kansas City High Schools, to Wichita, because uh, I know in the past those guys have been amazed at the money you can make quickly on a barnstorm. Okay. Hey, let's, let's wrap it up with this thought, Jesse. You get asked this all the time because you're the one who has written more thoroughly about it than than anyone. And that is where Kansas stands with the timetable, with the NCAA issues. I, I don't know if anything has changed, but it just seems to me that to put a roster like this together, you put it together with the intention of winning a national championship. Therefore, you will have played in a national championship or at least the NCAA tournament. Do you have a thought on this? Kansas is loaded for bear with this team. I, I've got to think that Bill Self and the coaching staff think they're going to have the opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I'd agree with you, Blair. A lot of this, again, the IRP does not make an announcement until there's a ruling and it's final. So this thing kind of goes cold for a while. I think people forget about it and then um, at some point, it's going to obviously pop up again. But just reading the tea leaves and kind of just kind of hearing from things, you know, the original thought, original guesstimate was that this thing was going to be ruled upon late summer, early fall. Throughout the whole process, it's taken longer uh, because of the investigation that goes back into it. You know, the enforcement staff looked into everything, came together with their report. And then obviously after that, the IRP has new investigators go and look at everything. So this has just taken a little bit longer than anticipated. My sense is this, exactly like you said, Blair, when you put together a roster like this, you're anticipating playing in this year's NCAA tournament or you wouldn't go to all the trouble. I think Kansas, as much as they have a say in this sort of thing, 
are going to try to stall, delay, uh, do whatever they can to get this ruling pushed out as far as possible. And if it happens after the season, whatever consequences you have, you can deal with them then and figure out how you want to handle things then. But you mentioned it. This is not a roster that wants to learn in January that they can't compete in the NCAA tournament. So uh, I think Kansas is going to pull every lever that it can to try to get this punishment, this ruling, whatever, this whole process stalled as much as possible so that they can make sure that they're in the NCAA tournament and able to compete for a national championship in March and April of this year. So um, I think the late summer, early fall estimates are not going to be true. And I think we will see how this all plays out. But if Kansas has its way, this whole thing is going to be decided after they have a chance to make a run of the final. Sounds good. Gary Bedore, Jesse Newell, great catching up with you. Jesse, I will see you next week in Dallas at Big 12 Media Days for football. Going to have a lot of college football for you next week. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Big thanks to Jesse Newell and Gary Bedore for stopping by and talking KU Hoops. Links to their stories about these latest developments can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we have another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus additional stories that appear only on the website, and of course they appear first on KansasCity.com. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month, unless you cancel. It's a great time to subscribe. Read about what's going on with the Chiefs, the Royals, all the colleges, our soccer teams, and more. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at accounts.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I will get you to the right place. So whether it's a sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Thursday with another episode.